Welcome to the conversation on women in family business. We are WIFB, the global initiative that offers an opportunity to women all over the world to share their thoughts on matters related to the family enterprise. This particular series is co-hosted by Suzanne Bransgrove, founder of Liquid Gold Consultants that was established to support families in business or with wealth with the meaningful conversations and frameworks necessary to create sustainable futures for all stakeholders. In this episode, Suzanne and I discuss the pandemic and how it has shed light on inequality in women's roles, both within the family business and in the nuclear family. With women realizing the need for a greater balance in their roles, there has been an acceleration towards a movement for change, or at least that is what we think. We are discussing the current COVID-19 situation, its effects on family businesses, and how families can cope with the surmounting changes. Enjoy this episode with Suzanne. We're back. It's been a while. It's taken a pandemic for us to do our next episode, Suzanne. I just want to talk about that. It's like it's uh, seems like a seems like an intense reason. <laughs> we should definitely go really deeply into that. I'm sure it's going to be really interesting for everybody else. <laughs> well, I think it's 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 been a it's 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 really interesting how you and I just spoke before starting the recording of the episode how everyone's felt like, you know, a lockdown might be a moment of reflection and sort of a moment where things might quiet down, we might be able to reassess things, etc. You and I agree that it's probably one of the busiest times we've we've seen in a long time. So actually, pretty much the opposites happened. But um, it's really great to touch base with you today on how the situation is unfolding with with COVID-19, what it's meant for us, how 2020 has turned out to be a totally different year, I think, for many of us. But I think because it's so great, you're you're being in Australia and down under and like sort of like having a view in a totally different part of the world than we do. Tell us a little bit what you've observed in terms of like how family businesses have dealt with with the pandemic at your end. Like, you know, what have been sort of like the bigger trends that you've observed? So it's interesting, of course, every country has experienced this a little bit differently. And Australia is one of those unique countries that seems to have been able to get on top of the pandemic reasonably quickly. Um, being a giant island, of course, does make shutting the borders a little bit uh, more, e- like it's, it's a bit easier that way. And it's also interesting, we've had those horrible fires in Australia during December, January, and also into February, which have been impacting our tourism in particular. Mm. Um, but the positive side effect of that has been that there have been a lot lower tourist numbers than what you would usually expect, in particular coming out of Asia. So there's some schools of thought that um, credit these these fires with lower virus numbers through Mm. reduction in tourism. So, of course, our tourism area is particularly hard hit, as is the case with most other countries, but we certainly are in a position now where we're looking at what's next, that concept of reopening businesses. Um, we've only had 102 deaths, thankfully, um, but it makes it, we, we're just as fragile as everybody else is to, you know, perceive any impact and export and import from into and out of other countries has been heavily impacting our family businesses also. And um, what's been interesting is a bit of a shift to that concept of reopening Australian manufacturing. Mm-hmm. There are businesses who are starting up again or are changing their lines. There are stories of family businesses who've been focusing on local manufacturers for their supply chain, and they've been faring quite well. So it's interesting to sort of see this thought process around, well, global is great, but perhaps if we had more control of our supply chain and, and looked after our customers differently, maybe it's going to be a bit different business we're going to have. 
It's incredibly interesting to to see the human need also to keep on e like equating this current situation with things that we've seen in history, right? Like, so you have a lot of people talking about comparing it to 2008, other people compare it to SARS, other people compare it to, go as far as comparing it back to the, the you know, Spanish influenza, et cetera, the plague. It, it's interesting though, I think what you bring up here, of course, this, was probably only possible to happen in this, to this extent because of the way we have globalized so extensively. And I think in a way, of course, like 2008 was a bit of a precursor to show the global impact, the symmetrical shock we can all experience through integrated financial markets. But I think this has really hit, as you said, the supply chain in a way that I think was was just very, very telling and, and, and showed a lot of... Um, well, you know, the, the possible uh, fragility, of course, of having, you know, huge dependency on, on a global supply chain. But for, as you call it, an island like Australia, of course, that means a very, that has a very different kind of like um, uh, impact, I would say. So when we talk about localization uh, in a country like Australia, it means something totally different than if we talk about localization for, you know, for instance, like in Europe, of course, as being surrounded by each other so closely. So do you think you'll see a very clear trend towards localization? And what would that look like in, in your context? I think there's a, a general movement. Like this is where, it, where it's interesting how this is going to all tie together and what the future is going to look like. There are a few different um, things that are all coming together at the same time. So certainly COVID has had a significant impact on businesses and families more so than anything else that we've ever seen. And that is because unlike anything, even the global financial crisis, is this something that has hit every single member of every single society. And when you look at a family in business, you have every family member and every staff member and every everybody around them at some point or multiple times going through some stage of grief. And so that means that how people deal with this and how they support each other and, and the realisation of some of the decisions that we've made around being global and relying on others that we have very, very little knowledge of and very little perhaps alignment with, just looking at it from a pure cost and revenue perspective, all of a sudden, you know, when you take on so much pain and you start questioning perhaps to a certain extent whether those were good decisions for the long term. Mm. In addition, you also have a huge shift in consumer behaviour that we've been seeing now for about 20 years, which looks at the concept of making purchasing decisions on the back of um, aligned values, so in particular the younger generation, that concept of, yeah. and we buy from organisations who we believe in. And interestingly, and this sort of is where the women theme comes into it as well, women are going to take on more leadership roles and women are also going to be in, going to have an increased wealth because as we look at transitioning of wealth and businesses because of this new way of doing it where it doesn't just go to the eldest son, women are going to increasingly also be wealthy and, and influential. And women generally do also make different purchasing decisions. So everything is starting to point at um, consumers preferring to buy something that's locally made or sustainably made and where they support local businesses. And I think um, that is a trend that's already been happening, which is, I think, going to be magnified. And, and from an Australian perspective, we have beautiful produce and we have the ability uh, probably perhaps to um, to focus a little bit more on supporting each other and supporting this big island of ours um, mm -hmm. as much as export dollars are needed. But it, I think, we, yeah, I think this is just a trend that we're going to be seeing that's going to that will have now multiply to a certain extent. 
accelerated probably. Um, you touched upon it. And I think one of the main reasons why you and I felt this is a very good time for us to pick up our, uh, our podcasting again is because, of course, these kinds of shifts, these kinds of massive shifts that concern everybody. And as you said very well, I think, really looking at something that is of concern to everyone. I don't think we've ever, as a global population, had this much in common across the board, right? Like, and I think um, the, the only, I guess, like, I wouldn't say positive, but maybe like the only transformative force that really we can look at this in, as a, uh, aside from it being like obviously something that makes people sick and potentially, you know, um, kills them. The, the other transformational force is that I think this, this understanding of there being an inherent connection of humankind. So when there's this invisible force that comes in, it unifies us all. And I think like some of the, um, and this is probably a separate podcast, but some of the, uh, you know, the anti-racism rallies that we've seen, et cetera, and also have shown that this kind of a situation was the kind of circumstance where this kind of conversation has been made possible, more possible, more visible. And uh, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Like in a time where you would have expected people to be like, well, you know what, really, I'm just mainly concerned right now with just not getting COVID, uh, somehow getting a new job or surviving or putting food on the table for my, for my kids. Uh, there seems to be this surge in like being willing to sacrifice it all and basically, you know, like really adhere to a cause. And so there's this transformation in the air that, that I'm sensing here that's made these things possible. And you just touched upon it. You said like, you know, we see, we have, you and I have been advocating this movement in terms like we have to talk about women and family business because no one has been talking about it enough. And it's, it's not about a glass ceiling discussion, but it's merely a matter of, you know, there not being enough content out there that addresses the issue. And so that's why inevitably our conversations take that direction because that's what we're here for. Um, but I think that, it, and that without discriminating, of course, uh, you know, against men. But I do think that, and I don't know if you feel the same way, I do think that this is a very interesting moment for this conversation. And it's because of what you're saying in relation to, to accelerating movements. So we've seen that COVID has definitely accelerated digitalization, you know, for obvious reasons it's accelerated conversations that are very hard to have around things like race and, and politics, et cetera. Do you expect an acceleration around the conversation of, of women and women's rights and, and women's roles in leadership and in business? I think what you're touching on that concept of acceleration and transformation, I, th I think what I tend to feel with people is that it's just this enough. It's just this pain that's been carrying, that people have been carrying within for such a long period of time mm -hmm. and have been enduring because the system was just set up like that. And mm -hmm. you talk about tipping point, I think with the increase in in pressure, you know, a lot of people have lost so much. I mean, what else have you got to lose, really? I mean, you've lost your job or if you're looking at some of the family businesses, you've been taking on on all of this pressure and then the question is for what like mm -hmm. what have we been doing this for and I think this is the time where people sort of saying well I don't I don't want to go back to where things were I, I don't mm -hmm. want to have to conform and just fit into the same hole and so when people talk about this new normal I think it's just people saying you know I've had it you know this has been hard on everybody there are a lot of calls for we're all in this together as much as you know that sometimes still shows itself in very interesting ways and but I think it's just this um the pain point's been reached for people now and this inequality that we're seeing all across the world whether it's uh for financial means or whether it's on on race or whether it's on gender it doesn't make sense any longer mm -hmm. when you compare it to what we're really up against and what everybody's been going through and the fact that everybody is equal in front of COVID, that concept of, you know, we can hide in 
fancy cars we can hide and fancy mansions we can put ourselves into concrete jungles but we're still subject to the law of nature yeah and we're all subject to the same law so we're all just as susceptible as the next person and i think um it is a perfect time as people are have reached pain points where they're just happy to just continue that journey and say, I'm, I've taken this pain, I'm, I'm happy to go an extra step and stand up for what I believe in. It's a, it's a very interesting construct in that sense is that you're constantly reminded of our limitations as a society, as our, of our limitations as a, uh, as, a, as a business world, but in the microcosmos of a, of a, family, of a family company. So when it comes to how and, and I think this might sound a little bit opportunistic, but I do think that we've had this conversation before, Susanna, where we said, like, where we talked about, or I'm very passionate about the fact that I think that women still apologize way too much for, you know, for going after the things that they want. They sort of like feel unnecessarily, I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't be grateful, but they feel unnecessarily grateful and apologetic when they've reached that position, et cetera. And like, you know, maybe a little bit afraid to, to move onwards. If we're being very honest, this COVID situation has highlighted the incredibly good decision it's been for certain countries to have women in charge, and also yes. for many You're businesses. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, exactly. For many businesses, also to show that you know female leadership has been a clear advantage to them under these circumstances. I'm not saying it's a it's a it's a it's a science or a correlation that equals to one, but I think that it's still, um, I think a point is being made very clearly here that the more diverse uh, your, uh, your government, the more diverse your workforce, the more open your, uh, your attitude towards a leadership that is not predicated on, on like, you know, the next in line being the eldest son, et cetera, or like, you know, having this kind of like narrow mindset is probably the leadership model that's going to be uh, carrying you through this, like, you know, and carrying you more confidently into a future. When you talk to, uh, to women that are in their family businesses around you, do you sense that they feel like this is an opportunity maybe to make changes they've been waiting to make to sort of like, you know, um, think about things differently? Do you see like sort of like a change in attitude or? I think it's a fraction too early for that. And and the reason why I do say that is because they're still in the middle of taking their family and helping the business Response. through what they're kind of yeah. going through. Yeah. What, what is really um, interesting now is that those that are um, traditionally the leaders uh, are, are a little bit overwhelmed. That's certainly what I'm seeing. There. There's quite a bit of language around fatigue in the in the incumbent generation, particularly the patriarchy, because this is something that they're not particularly familiar with when you talk about how do you manage a business where everybody is impacted, where everybody is, is feeling some kind of, you know, it's going through the grief cycle at a different point and it's a, and, you don't know how many times they're going to be going through the recognition that empathy and a different style of leadership is going to be really critical to help mm. businesses through this means that some of them are just a bit overwhelmed because as brilliant as they are in their entrepreneurial thinking and their business focus, you know, you can't be fantastic at all things. And so they sometimes lack a little bit on the, on the empathy front. And, mm. and this is where women, and this, this is sort of what I've been seeing are stepping into and stepping up into supporting the business and the family even more so on, on keeping people healthy and keeping people together. And I think once we start moving through this, and what I can sort of already see is that recognition that if business needs to change a little bit, mm. because, you know, what, what is the family business going to look like after this and what are the long-term yeah. plans going to be? Then it becomes very obvious that that one person who's been leading it is not going to be the person who's going to see through all the changes. It will require 
the next generation and multiple members of both generations and or however many are involved to start coming together and bring the best of themselves. And that is really where women will come to the forefront. And that's starting to, they're doing it at the moment, sort of ad hoc, trying to move pieces. So, so it'll, be, it'll be nice to see that recognition of the benefit that they did bring and the benefit of the diverse thought and how to actually now make this move forward. And that's, I think we're not going to start seeing the consciousness of that until later this year. You're right, of course, it's still, many of us are still in a reactive mode because this thing keeps on throwing things at us that we didn't anticipate or couldn't have anticipated. And I think that's that's a fair assessment. More and more, I come to the conclusion, though, that I think as long as, you know, the dynamics at the nuclear family level don't change, um, as women, we don't have a chance really to make that impact in the family business that we'd like to. And, and I think this is, it's been so interesting to see the lockdown where I've spoken to a lot of my, my male friends, you know, who did not get to run away to the office, who were suddenly confronted with, you know, childcare 24 seven. And I was quite surprised in, for, in how many cases that was a novelty still, in how many cases that, that, that role distribution had still been a very traditional one where like, you know, mostly women are in charge of uh, raising the kids, taking care of the kids. And, and, and even though they themselves have full-time jobs, which is interesting. So not just in the sense that women would usually stay home, but actually women would be executives or have very important jobs, but would also be expected to do all of the work at home basically. And, and it's, um, and this is uh, by far, there's a lot of positive examples as well that I could name where that is not the case and, and where, you know, the nuclear family has been able to perfectly absorb lockdown because that, that division of work has been there always. There's always been that, that shared, that shared workload, but in most cases, it seriously threw off a lot of people. I felt in terms of like a having to deal with their kids 24 seven, which apparently <laughs> It's like for many people was a, oh, wow, you know, you're quite demanding. It's quite difficult if I can't send you to school. And then also the strain that's put on relationships and sort of like, I guess, the role discussion within the couple that I also always feel like, you know, is something that is a conversation maybe we should be having more about how that influences our chances to thrive in the family business. Because while marriage and like, you know, who we're with is obviously a voluntary decision, um, it still hugely influences like, you know, the kind of uh, spine and backbone we go into the family business in and asking for our position and our rights. And so um, this has been really interesting for me to watch. And I confess myself to be quite, I wouldn't say disappointed, but I would say like quite astonished at how many people I have this conversation with that were quite frankly, for the first time, really cognizant, I would say, of the extent that their partner does in life because they were forced into lockdown. And um, for some, it's been a positive thing, for others, not at all. You know, uh, many relationships have been tested to the brink by this, I think, and uh, you know, fair enough. What is your observation in that category in terms of like, you know, the role of how we see roles in the nuclear family and how that influences our, our perception of what we're due and what we're owed in the family business? I have to. I think my most, my favorite thing about all of this, and this is just why I couldn't help but laugh, is when all of a sudden you've got these, um, you know, people, let's say men who who generally show up in a business sense, and you're having a Zoom conversation. The next thing is, <laughs> <laughs> this is so 
What have you been? Searching. My favourite thing about Zoom, it probably has been, has been exactly that. So it's been wonderful to watch. Precious moments. It's been really great. It's, there's been absolutely no doubt that what we've seen from a lockout, lockdown perspective has been challenging relationships and has been challenging um, how we view each other and how we function. And I guess one part of that is that we've seen an increase in domestic violence uh, because clearly people aren't coping and, um, and people haven't been able to hide from the problems that they have um, at high or at work any longer and so I think that necessity you know we're talking about open being open being honest being transparent in families when we're talking about the business family um, being able to have uh, good communication dealing with relationship issues and there's no doubt and I'm and I certainly have seen lots of it where you you know that there are relationships within that that sibling um, group let's say where where there are problems within that um, that are not being dealt with. And I think the necessity to make sure that each and every individual, in particular in the incumbent generation and the family units are, are healthy, functioning and supporting what the business family is trying to do and, and are aligning with the values is critical. But I think this is not something that really has been focused on because if you think about how complex the concept of aligning a you know, the, the bloodline family um, in, in the family, yeah. business families. And we're talking so much about bringing the the spouses into the mix, at least as far as um, including them with information. But, you know, how far do you go into trying to support the couples to, to address the issues um, that they have to foster healthy and, and functioning relationships? Because this is the foundation for the next generation to also have a much better chance to grow up as well adjusted human beings who are going to support the family business. And that might look a little bit like as if you're trying to artificially create and breed you know, the next generation in a perfect kind of environment. Um, but I think too much have we been focusing on success being external to our relationships. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think now is, you know, this is you talking about all these different changes. Why are we doing that? You know, what, why is an extra dollar going to make all the difference when you mm. when you break people in the process and you're breaking people who are very close to you? So I'm hoping that there's going to be some has been some recognition um, just how difficult the role distribution has been, how difficult it has been for women to be as part of the family business and contribute to the family council, contribute to the board, contribute on an executive level, and come home and look after all the family components as well. Some I'm hoping again at that point around honest this pain point that's been reached to say actually now that we're here and we've been going through all of this I don't want to go back. I 100% agree with you and in a weird way it's almost like and I I really had issues in accepting me saying that even to myself but I just kind of hope that this is the end of the superwoman era where we basically are convinced that we have to be super women in order to be entitled to certain opportunities and certain ways of being treated and 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 that that sense of overcompensation to receive the same opportunities um which quite frankly especially in a situation like this reveals how tiring that is that is it's exhausting and so what you're saying i think is so true especially if our goal is actually generational continuity and harmony like you know what are we doing really like you know you're 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 raising you're raising your kids in an environment of stress and 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 performance pressure 
and in a way in an environment of inequality from the outset right like if if the parents don't agree on what would be what a balanced relationship looks like so it's been really interesting i think I think because we were forced into lockdown to also just like, as you said, like really look inwards and just sort of like ask ourselves like the hard questions here. Like, so what in this dynamic within this house or in this apartment and, and with this nuclear family actually causes um, my behavior or conditions my behavior to the outside world? And uh, so there's no quick fix for this, of course, but like also to, to be on an optimistic note here, I do think that there is an opportunity here for women to uh, take this time and to once we once we stop reacting and we can go back to proactive, you know, uh, planning and thinking, etc. Um, I really think that there's an opportunity here for us to say, well, hold on a minute. Like we can, there are certain things in this narrative that we can permanently change. Like, look, hopefully, some of the narrative around racism and, and racial issues are now going to be permanently changed, and it looks like we're we're on the we're on the right track for that as well. But what, like, if you if you have like you know your 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 magic wand and like, you know, your, your wishbone, et cetera. Um, Suzanne, what would be, what would be the things that you like would really hope for women to emerge from this situation? It really comes back um, to when you talk about that reflection time, because we've just seen something unprecedented that's been putting everything that we've been banking on and that we've just been following blindly into question. And so that um, realization that will what have what have I got to lose really any longer? Because the worst is to certain for me, you know, that the worst has already happened. Like everything's been mm. put into question. So, and when everything's has been broken down, then really that is the place that you can start rebuilding. And this is we're talking about the new normal. So it is an inevitable that we're going to have a chance to rebuild something new out of the ashes of we've just in, in three months and we've just put everything that we've known, everything we've believed and everything that held true is just sort of been just sort of been push, push put up the flames. Out of the ashes. So and I look at this from a survivor kind of perspective. You know, we've survived everything to this point. We've survived inequality. We've survived, you know, patriarchal systems. We've survived this constant, you know, questioning ourselves and apologizing for who we are and trying to be super. When we've been there, done that, survived, it wasn't great. Well, this is the chance we're in to say, okay, so who who are we really? And do we really have to pretend to be something? For somebody else when we've already seen you know things can just disappear from one day to the next so at least what we can do is be true to ourselves and do the best we can for those around us because we love them and we want to and and really just be who we are because <laughs> because if things go up in flames again you don't have to try to recreate yourself all the time you already are that I think that's very solid advice, like, you know, to really take stock of that. And I think it's the best way for crisis proofing as well. I think you've just given a very valuable piece of advice, like a lot of people asking themselves, how can we be prepared in future? And I think this applies, what you've just said, applies to the personal, but also to the business level. So knowing who we are and why we do the things that we do is, a, is an essential ingredient towards being prepared for these kinds of situations as much as you can. Of course, there's always going to be uh, massive unknown factors in, in these kinds of force majeure. But I, I think you're, it's a perfectly, perfectly accurate analysis on like what we should be focused on is to be true to ourselves, but also true to what we do and, and be aligned there. That's a, that's an invaluable piece of advice. 
And I think um, as we go forward, hopefully what my hope is, is that in, in essence, we're going towards a time where eventually this podcast will not be necessary anymore, Suzanne. We won't have to have a separate <laughs> women and family business conversation because it's so unequal. Hopefully, um, you know, we're, we will be done playing catch up and we'll be able to even out the playing field. So hopefully that's the future. Making ourselves redundant is what we live for, right? Like, so. <laughs> in like 20, 30 years time, somebody listening to this, wasn't that cute back then what they were talking about? Exactly. <laughs> hopefully that will mean that we've done our job really well so thanks so much Susanna for this episode and we'll, we'll speak again in a, uh, in a week or so on uh, different wonderful. topics in relation to our current situation and women in the family business wonderful look forward to it